There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to 47 Survivors on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast on the ABC TV series, The Crossing. I'm Terry. And I'm Steve, and we'll be discussing episode two of season one of The Crossing. All right. Unfortunately, Sean's schedule prevented her from joining us today. Ugh. Yes, unfortunately. So we're S-less. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm still S. I'm well, just not I'm, fangirl yeah, S. You're not fangirl S, right. <laughs> get, uh, hope you uh, get through your stuff, Sean. Yeah. All right. We got some rating news. Uh, episode one's ratings was a 1.0 and a four share in adults 18 to 49 with 5.45 million viewers, which oh. made it the number one show in its time slot. Woo-hoo! Now, episode two. Came in with a 0.8 and a 3 share in adults 18 to 49 with 4.48 million viewers. Hmm. Yes, it did decline some, but it was still less than the average 20% decline that all shows go through from episode 1 to episode 2. So That's true. That's true. They do drop. Yep. Yep. So not, not all doom and gloom here, people. Not shabby. <laughs> yeah, not shabby. I'll I'll take it. Yep. (laughs) Not too bad. I'm not even on the TV series, and I'll take it. Yeah. Cool. Keep watching, folks. All right, so let's get into some uh, general talk about the episode here. As Steve said, this is the second episode. It was titled A Shadow Out of Time. And a little synopsis we have here to lead us in is in a flash-forward to the year 2187. So we get our first look into the future from whence they came. Reese finds Leah, an orphan common baby, and goes against her apex cohorts to take her in as her own. Uh, in present day, Jude, hoping for a peaceful solution with the feds, is blindsided by a mysterious black ops team intent on capturing Reese by any means necessary. Boo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As soon as I heard them choppers, I was just, just like the... The FBI agent, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. (laughs) So I think we can safely assume before we get into the items here that they're monitoring the phones. You know, because he's the one that gave her the location. So where else? Well, Emma called her boss. Yeah. And that was what did it right there. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's because she did call him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I forgot that. Yep. So, all right. Never mind that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into some of the uh, specifics here. Let's uh, start with some of the locals. Let's talk about Jude, our favorite sheriff from the beach. Um, He uh, takes Reese to the beach to find her daughter, but everybody, everybody has been moved. Yeah, (laughs) it's completely (laughs) deserted. No FBI, no government, no tents, no makeshift shelters, nothing. 
The beach is deserted, people. So he goes back to his home and he tells Reese to stay put while he figures out where her daughter was taken. You know that that wasn't going to happen. Oh, absolutely. And that was Jude's first mistake. He made two in this episode and they both lost pretty big time. Huge. The minute you saw Reese going through a drawer in the kitchen. Yeah. Not that they couldn't have had her character just rummage around and like, what's, because everything's so different. Like, what's this thing for? Like looking at a fork, looking at a fork of all things. (laughs) Because everything's so different, like food is different and everything we saw in the first episode. So, but I got the feeling the minute she looked through the first draw, I was like, eh, she ain't staying. No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) No. And then he has his uh, buddy who was on the beach with him, finding the bodies in the pilot episode. Nestor, he has him follow Emma. Which was probably the smartest thing he did in the episode. uh, Yeah. (laughs) When I saw him have him follow her, I was like, there you go, Jude. Yeah. Because I don't trust her, you know, at least right now, or she kind of caught in the middle as well. You know, from Jude's standpoint, I wouldn't trust her either. Right. I wouldn't trust anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really the theme that we're getting right now is you can't trust anybody. Yeah. Wow. Stone Cold Steve Austin was right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, he has her follow Emma and get some information uh, inter- quite interesting later. and then. We hear a little bit about Jude's past. We get a little teaser snippet of it where he calls and talks with a lawyer that he knows. Right. Which had to be a lawyer that he's had some dealing with and who actually mentions the Doucette case. Yeah. And you go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, because, of course, he's asking about helping a woman who... Could possibly be a criminal, find her daughter, and what are my liabilities if I help yeah. her? And kind of go, mm-hmm. well, I can understand him wanting to know this. Right. But it sure seems like it's eerily similar to something yeah. that he went through in Oakland and why he's now in this small town, to me at least. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's quite this dark past, but whatever it was, it caused his marriage to break up as well. Yeah, and I kind of got the impression, even though it wasn't implicitly said, and, and if I remember correctly from the pilot episode, it wasn't even strongly hinted at, uh, his being there at Port Canaan, I had kind of suspected might have had something to do with his marriage. Right. It, but if it was, yeah, but if it was that serious, the wife might have fought for sole custody and no visitation and might have gotten it. And therefore, we wouldn't have seen her come later in the episode with the boy so that he could have time with him to go fishing. Right. You know, and spend some time with him. So, yeah, the, the marriage seems to be the collateral damage. Right. I, I think you're right. Because yeah. even when she does walk in with his son, you don't see a lot of hate in her eyes. No. So... She's smiling, you know, like when the boy, he's like, hey, buddy. And the boy runs into his arms. And when the camera pans up and he's holding the kid up, you see her face and she's smiling and everything. And Right. So you don't get any indication, at least from her, that there's a ton of animosity between them. No, not at all. And uh, either they're going to you bring her in for something else or that she was just there. We didn't 
they didn't give her hardly anything to do except walk in. Right. <laughs> you know, after they go into the house, at least just step in. Yeah, so I don't know. It could have been a case with a mother and her child that he screwed up. Right. I'm kind of thinking, I wouldn't call it a direct corollary, kind of back to the, the David Tennant series, Grace Point, here in the States, which was a remake of Broadchurch. Right. And that detective with a dark past working on a case where that was, he was intentionally working on a case here. Jude has kind of taken himself out of, not literally in New York City, but out of some sort of a ground zero situation. Right. Yeah. So, so the lawyer that he spoke with, he was in a hallway at some office building and then he was standing in front of like a frosted window. And what was the logo? Was that FBI or was that Homeland Security that this lawyer was talking to him? Did you catch that? No, I didn't. Yeah, the lawyer was like in an office setting. Right. Jude was outside, a, a st- which I thought, why would you? It's a small town. Why would you? Yeah. And everybody <laughs> and every and everybody knows these refugees are here, and you're standing outside like Pop's Corner Store or whatever it is, <laughs> talking on a phone to the lawyer. I I thought the lawyer he was in some kind of office. He stood nearby, and in the background there was like this big frosted window, I guess like to an office. And there was a logo. I think it might have been Homeland Security. Could be. So it might have been a lawyer who defended him. Oh, absolutely. I think it yeah. is. In a case of some kind, but a lawyer who has some sort of affiliation now, if not then as well, with Homeland Security or some government agency. Right. Yeah. So And uh, so it sounds like he's uh, Jew's got his own dark past. And boy, we'd like to know what made him leave that city. Yeah. Mm. Definitely that case, and something definitely went awry. So um, he finds Reese huh, and takes her to a shipyard, telling her that Leia's going to be brought there. Second mistake he made. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Though it was, his intentions were good. His execution was <laughs> not so good. Right, <laughs> yeah, and the outcome was even worse, so. <laughs> yeah, he was a little overreactive. Yeah. Uh, and I can I can see him doing that. I mean, look at the way she was when he put her in that room. Oh, good Lord, yes. I mean, she's firing weapons, and the glass looks like it doesn't break through, but it shattered. Right. And then she's firing inside the room, I guess, at the door or whatever, and he's trying to tell her you're wasting ammo. Why would you care if she's wasting ammo? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's like some of his too-niceness coming out. You're wasting ammo. Yeah. What do you care? She's locked in a room, dude. (laughs) And if she's shooting at you through the window, she's a threat. Yeah. (laughs) So, boom. Yeah. Locking Uh, her in there in the first place just put you on her bad list, I'm afraid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's not a list you want to be on. No. So then uh, he makes yet another mistake. He calls Emma up and wants her to meet them at the shipyard. Now, he's pretty PO'd at her. Or, well, not PO'd yet. He's, he's still not trusting her. And he calls her and, okay, and uh, the three of us will meet and we'll talk. Right. And he lets her know that he knows where the refugees are. Right. Which I'm wondering, um, well, she did call her superior, I, no matter what. I'm just wondering if, if, he hadn't say, if he had just said, let's the three of us talk and left it at that. But I guess he figured now, you know, that was a bargaining chip. Right. And Emma wanted wants Reese almost as bad as Lindmeyer does. Oh yeah. Just because oh, yeah. of what she did to one of her agents, not because exactly. they come from 
the same place, but yeah, right. And I don't blame her. No, blame not her. at all. She's trying to do things by the book, at least. Sure. <laughs> Question is, which book off the shelf are they using? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Rowdy. Right here's another wrestling reference. This is our wrestling episode. Rowdy Roddy Piper used to say, "I'm going to call the ma- if he was a ref. I'll call the match right down the middle." wherever I happen to see the middle to be. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he wants him to meet at the shipyard and uh, Reese is locked in the container. But then, and like I said, uh, before we started, as soon as I heard these choppers coming, and I think we all did, just like Emma, Emma driving in the car to the shipyard, you knew that it was going down fast. Right. (laughs) And not the way they thought it was going to. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Jude gets gassed, and that was a little scary, all those little lasers on his face, all the target Ooh, lasers. Yeah. Oof. I mean, he was out, but still that image. I was like, whoa, that, uh, that wouldn't have made me too happy. No. And he sure wasn't very happy when he woke up several hours later in his car. Yeah, I think the initials P.O. come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go into the room where Reese is locked. And she's on the ground. And uh, within uh, like a second or two, my thought was she sat there to like meditate. She didn't kill herself. And then I, then I was like, where's the gun? Right. Well, of course, the gun was right underneath her. She was trying to calm him down, making them think that she was out. Right. And it turns out she had the gun underneath her and she flips around and fires the gun very quickly. Yeah. And. Makes her escape, not after getting, uh, before uh, getting hit. Uh, we see her later. Was that the arm or the, the torso, the yeah, upper the part of the tor- yeah. shoulder? Yeah. So they get her right before she makes her escape by diving into the water. I would have figured you would have had enough of large bodies of water yeah. <laughs> after, after how you came over here. But apparently that's the only option she had. And I guess she can't fly. She can leap like Superman in the pilot. Right. Apparently she can't fly without assistance. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really intense scene at the shipyard. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And then, uh, as you said, um, Jude wakes up hours later by the vibrate on his phone. Right. I thought that was television suspending disbelief. <laughs> a phone sitting on—I guess that looked like leather seats, right—and not like a countertop or something. And it's not in your hand or on your body, so you feel it. And that's what woke Jude up? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he wakes up, and then uh, when Emma calls him, or not Emma, uh, yeah, Emma calls him. Yeah, capital P, capital O. Yeah. This is where the trust really breaks down. You know, I, right. I thought we had an agreement, and then all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm getting gassed. And Emma's like, wasn't my call. Yeah. <laughs> you think Jude believes her? I kind of doubt it. Me too. Right now. <laughs> yeah, he might later or might say in his mind, I'll give you a pass. But yeah, I, I wouldn't believe her. No. Well, I've determined that Deputy Nestor is definitely going to be the comic relief in this series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As he shows up at Jude's home first thing in the morning, wanting a cold brew. You go, yeah. Dude, really? <laughs> The dog kept me up all night. Yeah, the cornflakes didn't go down your throat easily enough. You need a brew. (laughs) And then when he doesn't get to come inside, oh, he puts two and two together real quick and figures Jude's got a woman in his house. 
Oh, yeah. And he wants all the spicy details of what happened the night before. Yeah, I know you get lonely. (laughs) Oh, if he only, well, he's half right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I hope he does. Uh, Although they kind of got back serious to when, uh, or before that, he was serious when he shows him that map. Right. You know, and then Jude kind of dismisses it. And then he kind of exits the office. But yeah, I think he could be the comic relief for this series. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I don't see anybody else who could right now. No, not at all. That nobody even has a hint. No. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. he informs Jude that Emma was talking to Marshall. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's what caused Jude to leave the house with Reese in it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a coinky dink? Yeah. And I was just probably a little surprised that he was able to follow Emma without being noticed. Yeah, you think she'd be smarter. Yeah. Would, but maybe but maybe Ness deputy following her. Was he in a marked car or not? Yeah, pretty sure was it? he was. Okay. Well, it could be one of two things. She well, one of three things. Either she was so focused on what's going on and do that, that she wasn't paying attention. Two, she's not that good in noticing she's being surveilled. Or three, Nestor had home court advantage. Right. Now that, you know, that could have been it as well. That's what I'm kind of leaning towards, right. that he, he knew when to lay back and to kind of go in and duck out and side to side and stuff like that, where he wouldn't be uh, noticed because he knows the lay of the land where she doesn't. Right. And, he couldn't get all the way to the camp, but he right. got to where the road was, and he knew exactly what was at the end of that road, that there was mm-hmm. a closed camp there that would hold yep. 50 people easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's the camp we saw in the pilot that they went to, uh, I think it was at nighttime right. they took him, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah so that's the same camp. Yeah. So he was smart enough, not that you have to be a genius, but he's smart enough as a deputy to go there and then look it up, I would imagine, on a GPS map, and then just widen the scope, and then all of a sudden, it'll come up on the, oh, what's over here? Right. Oh, well, that's it. Or he just knew the road that she was on. It's a service road. I couldn't follow her anymore because there were some other feds. Right. But he's a local. He knows that that service road will take you to this camp. Right, because he mentions that's where he lost his virginity. Yeah. <laughs> so he knows exactly where it's at. <laughs> Could you imagine Nestor's GPS set up? It's like, you know, when the map goes over this camp, it's like, where you lost your virginity. <laughs> <laughs> He's got all kinds of... Yeah, a female voice to help remind him of that instead of a you, voice. <laughs> you lost your virginity. <laughs> uh, so we get uh, to meet a new deputy in this mm-hmm. episode, Deputy Rollins. Yay. who uh, calls Jude and uh, asks about his car. Yeah, go figure this. Yeah, I swear it's your car. No, it's not. It's in the garage and the engine is, what did he say, out or disabled or something? Yeah, it, it, uh, the engine was out of the car. <laughs> and, he, and, and she, by reading the manual, reassembled and got it to work. Right. That's pretty amazing. Well, that just that's another uh, you know sign that she's an apex, right? 
and we had a, we had a curve thrown to us at least back and forth to my eyes we we had a curve one way and then thrown back the other way about who's apex and who's the common folk exactly and it seems like a big curve of this episode. It was a double swerve because yeah. it was like, <laughs> here comes the first one. Like, oh my God, this undersecretary is really a common. Right. It's like, and he's talking about the apex folks in the negative and that uh, the, the black gentleman who just wanted it. And he's like, I'll tell you when I find out, I'll tell you where the apex is. They referred to Reese in the third person. And he's like, you got to, you know, do it by the book or whatever. And he's like, no, there will be no mercy. Yeah, there will be torture. There will be torture, you know, and it's like, oh my God, they're actually, they're not the apex, they're the the commoners. And then we get another curve later on, I'm putting the carriage before the horse with uh, a phone call. Right. That uh, the undersecretary, you know, talks to, I guess, his boss at uh, Homeland Security and shows him all of these videos and he convinces this uh, boss of his or whatever that, you know, he should he should be the one in charge of the camp. Right. Even though he's handling, what was it, 50,000 refugees in camps all across the country? Yeah, holy moly. Oh, well, it's only 47 more. I can do it. <laughs> now, here's my question. Now, the 50,000 they mention all over the country. I guess I, I'm just being like a dumb viewer here, just to bounce it off of you. Are these refugees that we're saying they know are connected with showing up out of nowhere or out of the water or are these are just all the refugees that we have everywhere i think that's just all of them that we have everywhere that's what i okay that's what i was thought yeah i don't think we've been had fifty thousand make it from no. 2187 back to 2018 no. oh and, and to that point let me do a little house cleaning last week we were talking about the total number of people that came through and i think i had said and we were all saying like 200 or 300 it was actually 500 right so my goof. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was just the total. So yeah, he's like, these are just 47. I'll handle this. Let me take this. Let me take this off your plate. Yeah. And no need to give it to the bureau because his boss was wanting to hand it over to. Oh, yeah. Whoever. That's the FBI. But sure. Yeah. And to me, that was just, there's your suspicion. And I thought, okay. And then, but the guy eventually, you know, gives in and says, okay, the camp is yours. Yeah, and he walks out of the room, and I was like, I guess I could see him wanting to lighten the load. As I mean, it's it's a small number, but at least I, I'm sure that they're seeing the 47 as a case, right? You know, one collective case. So okay, take this one off my plate. All right, fine. And then we have the fu- the the swerve on top of the swerve, <laughs> and they didn't they mention earlier in this episode somebody named, unless I misheard it, Eve. Right, yeah, when okay. he's talking to who I'm considering their the group security person, right the the guy that mentions torture, he says that, yes, Eve will be landing soon, so and then he talks to her, and we only see her in relative silhouette. She's lit a little bit, but we only see her from behind, right. And she's apparently at some place that has a pool that looked like through the doorway. It looked like water reflecting on, right. on a, a pool wall. or a lake or yeah, something. ocean, something like that. Yeah. And then she throws yet another curve upon a curve. She was saying about the 47, they can't, what was it? They can't be let out or they can't, the word can't get out because, uh, what was it? It's, um, they it's have not no future. 
They have no future. Because they cannot have their plans disturbed by the new arrivals. Right. So, so it sounds like the 47 don't have much of a chance right now. (laughs) Unless, and this would be the only thing that would keep it at one curve. Although I don't doubt the writers, because to me, that's pretty slick move to have a swerve and then yet another swerve on top of that. Right. Unless this undersecretary and this Eve are indeed commoners. Neither one of them are apex. Right. And this new group might end up, you know, screwing up the plans of the commoners to go after the apex folk. Right. Now, how they would do that, I don't know. Just by showing up, that screws up your plans. It could. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You're you're changing history. Yeah. You're you're letting people know that this is what's going to happen in the future. And so that's why I'm thinking it could be really just one huge swerve. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that the undersecretary and this eve are commoners as well. They've been there already. We saw in the last episode the one guy from the camp who met with the undersecretary, and he tells him, we've been here longer than you think. Right. Yeah. I think if you're going to meddle with time, leave it to a time lord. Yeah, exactly. And even they screw it up sometimes. But if you're going to go back and forth and tinker with time, you know, don't don't, don't leave it to the amateurs. Leave it to the professionals. <laughs> yeah. no, so it, I don't know. Yeah, it was interesting that Lindauer does... Have Emma get DNA samples from everybody. Yeah. because well, And that, to me, was an odd move, unless that first batch that Lindauer is, is, was part of brought some sort of tech with him because the DNA would not come up on any right. database. Right. And you know, they are, it's their database that they brought with them. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's... So they exactly know who survived of this new bunch. But yeah, because it was already established last week in the, in the pilot that you gave us birth dates that are nearly 150 years in the future. Right. So how you got, you know, and I think, and they didn't, they didn't make much of it in the pilot. And we saw it in the previews for the series where they even had a picture of a, a scan of a hand, you know, I guess for like fingerprints and what right. your hand looks like. And so, yeah, they would have to have brought some tech with them. Right. And just in case this happened and they need to, shall we say, eliminate the 47 right? by eliminating their relatives at the time in 2018, their great, great, great grandparents or something like that. Right. Because it could be, because they made it sound like the, the 500 that went on this trip that we have the 47 from. Uh, of this group that you know not the previous group they kind of made it like they didn't know if it was going to work right they supposedly time travel they could bend time uh and they kind of really made it seem like it was kind of a a mad dash or an unorganized without drawing numbers lottery type thing of those of that 500 that got to make this trip right yeah it was basically we're we're doing this on this day. If you got the money, get here and you can yeah. go. So maybe the first group that Lindauer is part of, maybe it was an organized, planned, set move. Right. Absolutely. A la the Terminator. Yes. You know, like you're in the future, go back to the past, screw with it, and then the future changes. Yeah. So that, that would kind of make sense that perhaps they, they did have tech and maybe the first group was intentional. Right. 
So that's why I'm thinking if Eve is also a commoner, then it's just not two swerves on top of each other. It's one massive. So, and either way is brilliant by the writers. You know, I want to find out more about Eve. You know, I'm not like, oh, she's just some shadowy character. The heck with her. I want to find out about her. So whether it's two on top of each other or one massive, big thumbs up. Right. <laughs> Already. It's only the second episode. <laughs> this is great. There was a reason why they, they spilled that beans in the pilot. Exactly. Uh, you know, we were saying, well, hopefully they have a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and in the second episode. And, oh, yeah. Damn good. <laughs> yeah. That's big props. Big props. I'm digging it. I guess we can, um, we talked about the car and all this stuff. Yeah. The mugger was from the previous one where he got his uh, rear end handed to him by Reese. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, it's like. He's been a thorn in. Um, Jude's uh, backside for yeah. a while because Jude definitely <laughs> says he got what he deserved. And I think he even said to him when he first comes into the uh, the main like office area and where he's sitting at the desk, I guess he's getting booked. Jude says something to the effect of welcome back or something. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> We got a room safe for you. Exactly. Got just your like name you could, on it. Just like you go back to your mom and dad's house. Oh, we left your room the way you had it. Exactly. Like that's not creepy, is it? <laughs> so um, let's go on to talk about the government here. We've we've yeah we gone. already we covered Lindauer and um, the others from the first group. Mm-hmm. So we still got um, our rookie Homeland Security officer Bryce Foster. Oh yeah, who Mr. Uh, Lovelorn. Well, no, that's the Marine. Oh, that no, that's the younger. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Bryce was um, is the one who. Was they were reviewing the tapes and he's starting to believe that maybe these people are from the future. And of course, Emma has him get everybody for the DNA tests and they get down to the very last one. And of course, it's Leah. Of course. So we'll get into that here when we talk about the survivors. But yeah, good old Marine uh, Guard Roy happens to pop in on Hannah and check on. So let's hand, go back. But it looks like you got it all under control. Yeah. Your only... The only thing I brought with me was a necklace and I lost that in the water. Yeah. You want to go look in the water for it for me? That's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> go get some scuba gear and look for it. Prove your, pro- prove your uh, pre-love love for me. Let's go back to Bryce real quick. I think it's kind of a non sequitur here, but Bryce giving uh, Lindauer, you know, control, you know, charge of the camp and all. Will Bryce... I don't think we have enough to say one way or the other. This is total speculation. Will Bryce, the fact that Lindauer wanted to keep this so hush-hush, have someone watch Lindauer? Because I got no impression that he was also a commoner because he initially didn't want Lindauer to keep it hush-hush and to take it himself. Right, yeah. I don't think Lindauer's boss is any, has anything to do with the first group. No, I think he's a 2018 straight up. He's from now kind of a person, right? But will he will he have Lindauer watch though? That is very possible because Brian Markinson, who is the actor playing this role, is an absolute fantastic actor. That yeah. I could very easily see this character turn into something a whole lot more, and I certainly hope so because. The man is amazing, <laughs> and I hope we get to see more of him. 
Yeah, we don't have enough to go on right now. It's total no, speculation. Total I speculation. Don't... I mean, they didn't even give the guy a name in I, in the IMDb page. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> they said Brian Markinson. Brian Markinson. Yeah, I don't think he's a, from the future. I think he's a twenty. He's a twenty first century guy. So I don't think that he. Obviously, therefore, by default, he's not a commoner or an apex. Right. But will see? Part of me is like Lindauer wanted to keep it so hush hush. Makes sense because you don't want this word to get out to people. Right, that you got it would, people from the future. <laughs> yeah, it would be the same thing as if you actually said, Area 51, we really have aliens. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, if the government really has them, they're keeping a really tight lip on it. Who knows? And as long as they ain't bother anybody, I don't give a hoot. But also, it could go the other way that his wanting to keep it so quiet within the chain of command. Right. Okay, because there was nowhere that Lindauer said uh, whoever he wanted to pass it, whoever Bryce wanted to pass it up, you know, run it up the flag or something. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say anything about, well, we can't trust them. They've had a series of leaks lately. They didn't write that into the 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 history of the of the show. You know, that. so will he have said, "Okay, you've got it. And did he give him that to let him prove himself and he's going to watch him? Or is it simply. Nothing more than he took it off my plate. Okay. I uh, hope yeah. it's more like you do. <laughs> I really do. There don't. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to get Brian Markinson to play that role, there's got to be more to it than that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll have to see. I just yeah. want to jump back and talk about Bryce the, that way, uh, just to put that in there. Like I said, we've got nothing to go on that they gave us other than it seems like He's definitely not a future guy. Right. Now, of course, with Agent Emma Wren, she mm-hmm. disputes working with the sheriff as she's talking to Marshall. Right. And, yeah, she's still really standoffish with Jude, for the most part, during the mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when they finally get Leah in for her DNA, they discover the rash. Uh-oh. And, of course, Rebecca identifies it as Mantle's disease. Right off the bat, yep. And Emma rushes her into quarantine. Mm-hmm. So that means one thing and one thing only. We get Georgina next week. Yes! <laughs> Georgina Haig, a really great actress. Uh, people that love fantasy fantasy fantastical kind of tv series we'll remember her from once upon a time yes where she played elsa from frozen uh the ice queen and um steve and i know her and a lot of other fans know her from fringe the old fox tv series as uh, henrietta or just simply etta god we miss you etta uh so it'll be great to see her back on the tv screen again next week absolutely because yeah she she was in the preview like i'm here to prevent a pandemic Yeah, (laughs) and you may be right. (laughs) Yeah, more than uh, even they know. (laughs) Unless uh, (laughs) there's been some biology changes in the human race between now and 21-something. Well, certainly for the... When they did... 2178 or something? Well, it was 87. Oh, when when they did, yeah. When Reese got Leah, but... They had to have done it, started before. Right, you know, because they actually see a couple people that had already died of it. Yeah. And that building so well certainly the 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 makeup whether it's dna or not of the apex folk they 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 mentioned it in this episode a little more 
uh, explanatory that that's been changed right to some degree now whether or not i forget if they mentioned it and if they if they didn't whether or not they're going to say that it changes your dna i don't think it does it just seems like it's changed other abilities it's heightened certain abilities and characteristics right yeah they're genetically altered so somehow yeah genetically yeah dna we don't know but genetically but yeah they, so definitely they've been changed right and the mantle's disease doesn't affect them right so Lucky jerks. Yeah, well, they did it on purpose. Oh, yeah. Well, So, of course, Reese informs Lindauer of the meeting with Reese and Jude being the good soldier she is. Right. You go, oh. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and then when Jude calls all mad at her, she tells her she had no idea about the SIL team, mm. but wants to tell him something. How many licks it takes to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? I've been wanting to know that for decades. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm thinking it's probably something else. Uh, yeah, probably. And could it possibly have anything to do with Leah's disease? Because if a- they have a contagious disease issue in the camp, he needs to know about it so he can keep people as far away as possible so it doesn't become a pandemic. Yeah, uh, that, that could be the it. thing that, that makes any sense, knowing as much as we do about Emma, she's very by the book. And to me, that would be the first thing that she would want to do would be notify the local authorities that there is a possibility we have a situation here. Well, it would seem they already have... The the setup for a quarantine, a, right. a large. They already had a tent set up for quarantine. Yeah, they already have that. But even having everybody at that camp, if they're afraid that anybody beyond Leo, I mean, they could just look at the skin and look at the face and all to see. But if they're worried about a massive thing, they already have them secluded in this camp. Right. Which kind of lends itself to being a quarantine area, the whole area. Right. You know, so it could be that that's what she wants to tell him. My question is, how open is he going to be to want to hear that? Exactly. After he thinks that she basically ratted him out to the black ops. Right. I'm not, you know, he basically tells her, no, I don't want anything to do with you or with this. I want to spend some time with my son and hangs up. There you go. And I don't blame him. No. And right after he gets off the phone, like within two beats, the doorbell rings and it's his mom bringing his, their son to see him. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. You know, like he straightened up the house and it's like, I'd forgotten that he had the call earlier with his son. Right. So I'm seeing him like he's splashing water on his face and he's straightening up the kitchen, uh, which it didn't look like he had a lot to do. And then the call and then the son. And I was right. like, oh man, <laughs> jeez, he's going to be needing quite a few brews. Yeah. I don't know if he drinks in front of his son or not. Probably not because he's young. But yeah, he's going to be like, I need uh, something stronger than a brew. Yeah. At 830 in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. This was like insane. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the survivors. Let's start with Hannah and Paul. Well, that's an interesting pairing. Yeah, because this guy kind of comes out of nowhere and pays a visit to Miss Hannah, who's just kind of chilling out on her porch and enjoying yeah. the peace and quiet. Yeah. And Paul's like, I couldn't sleep, it was which doesn't quiet. 
Yeah, which doesn't surprise me about actually any of them. Right. But Paul, not that they, you know, not that there's anything particular about him. I don't know. Just for some reason, I got that vibe that he he wouldn't be able to sleep because it's too quiet. Right. Any of them, actually. I mean, uh, then again, you could figure, you know, maybe the future where you, where people live is a lot quieter. Maybe they figured out how to curb crime, and so even the cities, you just have the noise of vehicles going up and down the street and, and footsteps on the sidewalk, and that's it. Right. You know, uh, but I can imagine they wouldn't like it. But yeah, he uh, they're having their little chat. You know, I couldn't sleep. Uh, too quiet. And they're bringing in additional guards. Yeah, and he doesn't like it. No, he's not happy about it. Hannah goes, hey, I feel safer. Yeah. You <laughs> know, this girl's not going to get bothered by anything. She's just glad to be out of wherever she was. Yeah. And she's got kind of her sights set on uh, Love Lauren Roy. Uh, so I think she's trying to stay. And it could be a little difference in ages. Not that Paul's really old, but I think it could be a difference in ages and perspective. Right. That, you know, she's like, we're out of harm's way, at least as far as we can tell for now. Right. There are guards here. Oh, we got more guards. Okay. Well, that would keep bad people away. Right. As opposed to looking at it as probably Paul does, even though he doesn't articulate it, of they're keeping people in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's not one to be wanting to be kept in, I'm a, I have a feeling. Yeah. Is that just he's a nervous dude, or maybe he uh, is a criminal of some kind and was in some kind of trouble? I have a feeling he was a... Uh... Person of uh, ill repute, shall we say. There you go. I'm torn uh, from what little we saw of him here in this episode. I'm torn. It could be that. And I'm equally leaning towards coming from the future and trying to get away from or to solve the problem of the Apex folk that he doesn't feel any safer now without even committing a crime. Yeah. Any safer now. Then he did then. It's just that then, in the future, he knew the enemy, or at least he knew enough of it for his own worries and concerns. Here, they're not even familiar with the food. Right. And so it's like a whole brand new, like lost in space, you're going to a whole new planet, and you don't know what their customs are like. It's even Star Trek, different cultures out in space. Right. And you have, and you have no clue. So it could be that he doesn't want to get found out, maybe. And I'm thinking they're not going to find you out because all the records, if they have them, are in the future. They don't have them yet. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you're just a nervous criminal or he uh, he's like better an enemy known than an enemy unknown. Right. Could go either way. Yeah. But he's definitely not cool with, with the situation. Yeah. And so we go to Leah and we find out she hasn't ate since arriving. And you go, that that's bad. Be good. She's a young child. She should be. <laughs> I like Rebecca's like, you're going to turn into nothing or you're going to disappear or whatever she said. Right. And she's just a little kid. I mean, she does. And she's not a heavy kid. She doesn't have a lot of fat cell reserves to last without eating. Right. And she has brought a plate of fruit and you'd think that a kid would go. Yeah. Well, I don't know what this is, but at least try it and go, oh, this is kind of sweet. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe she likes chocolate. Yeah, maybe. Which would get extra points from me. Yeah. Because <laughs> chocolate is a major food group. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> Sean would totally agree with you there. Yeah, I want to. I want to vie for the position of president of the Sean. Uh, Sean, chocolate is a major food group committee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, and poor girl's missing her mom. Now here's the question: Reese tells Jude. You know, he's like, I I need to know. This is when he has her in the house. I need to know I can trust you. Yeah, good luck with that. Right. And she says basically, I just need to get to my daughter. I want to find my daughter. Right. Or, or be with her, or whatever. So now here's the thing. She can she needs to get with her daughter so that A, she can cure what's up with her. Well, B it's that B, is the the main thing I think that is driving I mean, yeah, she cares she loves Leah to death. Sure. But she also knows that if she doesn't get her that transfusion of her blood, the disease will kill her. Because that's what she's been doing is basically keeping Leah alive by giving her transfusions of her own blood. Right. Within, oh, I don't know if it's quarterly, if it's monthly or what, but whatever it is, whatever the time frame between transfusions is, that's when she's doing it. And she apparently knows it's close to that time. Yeah. I agree with you on that. And I, I would say that's probably the likelihood. The only thing that would make me say, not that it isn't true, but just less of a likelihood. She never words it. And is and is she doing that intentionally? She never words it as she needs me to be with her. Right. She just says, I wanna I wanna be with or I wanna find my daughter. I just wanna know where my daughter is. I wanna be with her. Leaves it a little bit broad. You can still get the transfusions to the kid. Either way, whether you say it or not, but she's not saying she needs me because. So obviously, she's either hiding it or she's still not trusting Jude, which I would certainly accept as real. Right. Neither one, neither one trusts the other. Yes. And I think after all this, he might trust her less, even though the black ops took him out and she got away from them. Right. So that's not really Reese's fault. He he's the one who locked her up. But anyway, um, or is it that is she planning to? And I think this is less likely. Is she planning to use, or Leia rather, for um, for something else? I don't know, something apexy. <laughs> I, I don't see that as likelihood. It seems more that you know she just needs to give her the transfusions, right? To to try to keep it at bay at least. It's not curing it, right? It won't. Yeah, it's not a cure. It just keeps her well. Because it looked worse this week, at least to my eyes. Right, it did. Yeah, because like the the pilot, it looked like red, and it looked like these puckered circles, and now her arm, that the, her forearm, just looks like almost totally red. Right. And I'm like, that's not good. No. So could it be something apexy? Yeah, maybe, but I think what you're saying is likely. It's just I don't know if that's just the way the writers are writing it, and they're not giving it a second thought, or if they're having her say it that way. But to me, no, if she wants, yeah, it's that she definitely doesn't want anybody to know that. Leah has the disease, for one, because there's no telling what they will do to her until they try to find a cure for it. Right. And but she, she would be there won't be a cure for it, that it'll eventually kill her. But she but Reese would be smart enough if she's an apex. Well, I shouldn't say if. Since she's an apex, she would be smart enough to know that in the year twenty eighteen, at least if not known about and in development, it hasn't been executed yet of having commoners and apex as the dividing line right. in society. 
that she would know to say something to Jude. Look, she's got this disease. This is something that happens in the future. You know, I can help her. The only problem, to me, that would build some sympathy. The only problem is, Jude would say, and this is probably bolstering your argument. Right. Um, the only problem is Jude would say, how would that be? What would, I would have to give her a blood transfusion. At some point, he's going to say, how has this come about? And maybe he's going to have to get her to say, well, we've got commoners and uh, Apex. And of course, Jude is going to be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, he knows uh, Reese is different and probably different sure. from the others, but sure. we don't know that for a fact yet. Right. Yeah, we don't know how many of the 47, you know, we're, we're making the assumption, and I think as far as what the writers want, correctly so, right. that these 47 refugees, including Leia, are commoners. Right. And that uh, the only one that came through that's an apex of this cycle, <laughs> let's say, this round. Right is Reese. Yes. So, I mean, she could say to, she could even cloud the issue to try to build some sympathy and maybe some trust, gain some trust from Jude by saying she has a disease. The only thing that keeps it at bay so that it doesn't get any worse. And I've never contracted it from her. She could not tell him why. Right. Is for me to provide blood transfusions, give her some of my blood to keep it at bay. I think if she clouded it by not telling the whole story, but gave Jude that much, it might build some trust. But obviously, and rightfully so, neither one trusts the other. So, right. so I don't know. It could be just me just nitpicking semantics, but I, I just think that she's wording it in a way that doesn't necessarily build I trust up. Sympathy, yeah. Yeah, I've, there's this child. You know she's a child. You've talked to her. You've seen she's a child. I've got a way to help her. Right. Physically, you know. So, and not last but not least is Reese. Oh yeah. And we get a flashback flash forward to 2187 depending on your point of view. <laughs> <laughs> is that because the old defunct series Flash Forward was also on ABC? Is that Absolutely. why you brought that up? <laughs> Everybody, you know, they've promoted it as the next lost. Well, I'm going to take it yeah. one step further and say, let's think about Flash Forward here. There you go. <laughs> so Reese and her apex partner find baby Leah. Right. And this scene was intense. Yeah. Despite concern from her partner, Reese <laughs> decides she's going to keep the baby. And you go, all right. Now, apparently the apex are all pretty much the same. Seems like it. Except Reese. Because Reese is able to have empathy for commons when none of the other apexes seem capable of that. They, Correct. They treat commoners as animals. Because he was going to shoot the baby saying uh, she's weak. Right. Because she's a commoner, ergo she's weak, so she needs to be taken out. Right. Yeah. And only the exceptional children of the commoners mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. kept alive. Mm-hmm. But... For what? Testing? Well, it could be, it seems, it could be to turn them into Apex, because they're they're setting this up that Apexes aren't necessarily born, they're created. It seems like. Now, after you have a generation of giving birth, you know, Apexes in, being impregnated by other Apexes, it could be that that's passed on genetically, but right. it seems like that the Apexes came into being, as we said earlier, 
through genetic modification. Right. And of course, her partner mentions that, oh, well, we could petition for procreation. Something. Abilities or. (laughs) I'm not giving up this baby. Back off. Yeah. (laughs) She's not buying. I feel love for her. Yeah. Interesting way to say it. Yes. It really was. Instead of saying I love her, it's like I feel love for her. Yeah. Reminded me of the observers on Fringe. Yes, just a little what bit. Was, what was that? August was the one yeah. uh, said, I think what I feel for her is what they call love. Yeah. Yeah. So. And once um, Leah shows signs of the mantle disease, Reese contacts a doctor <laughs> of, shall we say, ill repute. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's listed in the yellow pages. And no, I don't think no. he's an Apex approved doctor. No, not at all. No. And um he comes to see her and of course figures that yes, if they do the transfusion that might be able to stave it off and Reese is all for it, except her partner decides no, it's time to turn her into the government who Big mouth. arrest her for treason. Big mouth. Exactly. Though it was sharp that she happened to be working on a case where she was investigating rumors of somebody trying to bend time. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as they're basically telling her what's going to happen to her, you kind of see her pick her foot up and slide it back in the chair. Mm hmm. And then she mm. just makes her move. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Takes out one guard, takes out the higher-ups. Oh, yeah. Doesn't shoot her partner, though, Mm-mm. which is a little unusual because you would think if he turned her in, he'd be the first one to get shot. Maybe she feels love for him, too. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> he seemed pretty um, much of a observer type that's for sure very cold and logical but definitely all in on uh the big apex picture right oh yeah he's totally uh drinking the apex kool-aid and when he says to her when they're in front of the baby about she says something nice about her whatever he looks at her and says i forget the tense of the verb i worry about you or i'm worried about you right Did he start to worry about her in that moment because she was showing compassion for a commoner? Right. Uh, Or was this a pattern of worries about her? And if so, will we ever see what other actions that she took or didn't take to give him that concern? Right. Yeah. Because I'd like to know more about their relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to know what the deal is there. Now, of course... We also find out she could be psychic or at least have Superman hearing because she informs Jude somebody's at the house yeah. before Nestor actually knocks yeah. on the door. <laughs> what the hell? She's the bionic woman. <laughs> yeah. Man. And we already talked about her rebuilding an engine and learning how to drive a car. Yeah. At High speeds, no less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no less. Yeah. And you don't learn that from an engine manual. No. Because <laughs> the only thing sitting on the car was an engine manual. Exactly. For a charger. Yeah, you don't have driving instructions. So 
Now, yeah, it she, was she, I guess she drove a car in the future. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's that. That's another question I had that I'd like to see is how did she actually learn how to do that? Because she was pretty good at it. Yeah. And fortunately for Rollins, she doesn't use that knife on him. <laughs> yeah. He's a little worried there for a minute. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then, of course, we get the scenes where she gets stuck in the container, yep. gets out and gets away, but gets shot. Yep. And then we last see her in a convenience store, bleeding all over the guy's floor. I know. That's messy. Asking for directions back to Port Canaan. Yeah. And we go, well, this isn't going to help your cause any, uh, Reese, because this will get out. So if she's asking for, if, if, yeah, and that's the thing. If she jumped off the dock at the shipyard, right, uh, right, right after, split second after they got her in the shoulder there, that's how, and she disappears in the water, they're firing at her. Nope, they got her before she jumped in because we saw that. Right. She doesn't appear to have any other bullet marks, bullet wounds on her. So she dove in the water and she made her getaway via swimming in the water. Now she asked the convenience store clerk, who probably just mopped the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what's all this? Th Give me directions back to poor Canaan. How far did you swim? Exactly. I mean, like the, the shipyard there would have to be near at least a tributary to a larger body of water. Exactly. How far did you swim? If you need to, you know, I, like they didn't show the guy saying you're, you're in Port Canaan. Right. So how the heck far did, did she go? Even being wounded, you know, that yeah. would be, a, I mean, without being detected anywhere. Yeah. Exactly. And she, and, and then makes it on ground, makes it into a convenience store. I mean, is this convenience store like the only one in the middle of a highway that, like like truckers only go to once every three hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, tell me how to get back there. It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, if, like I said in our in our previous episode, if she doesn't have a hyphen E-L after her name somewhere. Right. She, you know, I mean, I'm going to be like really upset. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone that live tweeted this episode. It was a lot of fun Hello. tweeting with all of you and had a lot of familiar people that I have tweeted with from other genre shows and, of course, some new ones. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all the likes, retweets, and interaction. And a special thanks goes out to Stephen for leaving the following message on our webpage. Thanks for the heads up on the podcast and for the following on Twitter. Looking forward to future podcasts. Hashtag The Crossing. So thanks a lot, Stephen. He had sent me a direct message and um, asked about where he could find the podcast. Nice. Absolutely. Well, welcome aboard, Stephen. And uh, we just want to ask you to please review and rate us over on iTunes uh, with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us. So tell your friends, and we hope that you are enjoying our podcast. And there are several ways you can get a hold of us. On the Twitter machine, we are at 47Survivors. On Facebook, we're at FG Zone. Believe it or not, we have an Instagram account at the Podcast. And if you want to email us, you can reach us at contactus at fangirlzone.com. Wow. That, that, that's like all techied up. 
Yeah. I feel so much better now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, again, thanks for listening, everybody, and join us next time for our next get-together. And uh, this is Terry signing off saying, I'll eat some fruit, but I'd rather have chocolate. And this is Steve. You don't need a weapon. You are a weapon. <laughs> and until next time. See ya.